Um, in 2 Samuel, let's get to this. 2 Samuel, when it opens, remember, it, it, there's not a break between 1 and 2 Samuel in the original story. It's just that's where the scroll ended and they had to pick up another scroll. They could only go so big. But when it opens, the first king of Israel is dead. Now, David has been uh, anointed king for a long time before the death of the first king, but now his time has come. After years of small unit warfare and a lot of humor and grace and music and poetry and violence, his reputation was pretty well set in Israel. So they came to him and asked, please lead us and unite us, because at that time, they were just a bunch of tribes. They weren't a nation. They'd had a king. They didn't even have a capital. They had no city. They had no place. And the different tribes would just as soon fight each other as they would fight the Philistines. They didn't look or feel like a nation. So David did everything that Saul never got around to doing. He took action to establish a city. There was a city there that was already, God had already told them, this belongs to you, but there's another group camping out on it right now called the Jebusites. And so they went up the mountain, drove the Jebusites off, and founded the city that we call Jerusalem on top of that mountain. The Philistines were noticing what was going on, by the way, with him gathering the tribes and, and establishing a capital, and they were going, oh, no, you don't. They were everywhere. The Philistines lived alongside the Israelites in all of these areas, and so they decided, we're going to shut David down and shut him down quickly. David called to the Lord. Remember that call response, which is the theme of Samuel in, in chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, do not go straight up but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. I want to stop right here. Actually, you might think, well, duh, don't go straight at them. Uh, do a circling. They didn't, warfare was not done the way we do warfare today. They all just lined up and threw each other at each other until somebody won. This was, this was new. This whole idea of like Gideon, head him off at the pass. This one, circle around behind and come out from the woods. You see, the British hadn't learned this back in the 1700s, and we had that bit of disagreement with you lot. And um, we all stood up in the middle of the field and said, where are they? And you were in the trees, and you shot us. That's, uh, you, you had read your Bible, yeah, and that's, that's how that worked. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Well, can't tell you the number of times I have prayed that the Lord would go out ahead of me. Go out ahead, Lord. Go into that meeting before I get there. Go into that room before I have to walk in that room. Go into that situation before I have to deal with that situation. Several times in the Bible, God promises exactly that. Sometimes it's in warfare. God says three different times in the Bible, I'll send my hornet ahead of you. Now, hornet, I don't think God has an actual bug, stinging insect, but it does seem like there's an angel whose job it is to get out ahead of whatever the battle is and sort some things out before you arrive. He says, I'll send my hornet out there. Other times he says, I'll send my angel ahead of you to fight for you or to weaken or to confuse the enemy before you get there. 
Well, pray for that. Pray that God send out ahead. Steve Burgess, um, when, I, when I kept thinking of that when you were talking about this ministry in the marketplace thing, uh, there are so many times before I walk into the, a room that I'll say, all right, God, you get in there first. Then I'm going to follow you and trust that you've already broken up the ground. And it's, it's time for me to do my work. David wins, but he's not content with just political victory. He's not Saul. He didn't just want a job. He wants God to be at the center of Israel. So it's not just a capital city and he's king. He wants God there. So nobody had worried much about God for about 60 years. And the ark had been sitting in this little border town for a long time. So he says, let's get the ark and bring it to the center of our nation because our nation's built on God, he said. So he got every able-bodied young man he could get, and they all went off after the ark, the border town, and grabbed it. Now, as we're going to see in a moment, God likes noise. God likes noise. In fact, most of the instruments that God tells them to use in the Old Testament aren't melodic. They don't go la-la-la, they just go bang or thud. He just makes some noise. That's what he wants them to do. Well, God likes noise. He likes dancing. There's a lot of that in the Old Testament. But he doesn't appreciate being ignored. It is his party. And so, there are plain rules about how do you move the Ark of the Covenant. You can look at those in Numbers chapter 4. Now, there's a guy named Uzzah. We don't know much about him. All we know is that he wasn't paying attention to the rules and he treated God with dishonor and he shoved the ark when he thought it was going to slide off and he probably wasn't even a Kohathite priest and they were the only ones allowed to actually be transporting it and it wasn't supposed to be drugged behind a bunch of animals anyway. It was supposed to be on their shoulders. All of this was wrong. So Uzzah dies for it. That will... Put a serious crimp in your worship time. Really. Uh, and David got angry at God. And so David told God he was angry at him. Here's a clue. Um, if you're angry at God, go ahead and talk to him about it. Because he knows. <laughs> it's not like you're keeping it from him. So sort it out. And again, he gets upset. He, he says, all right, I'm not even taking it to Jerusalem right now. We're going to stop right here. We're going to all go off and regroup and think about what happened here. You need to understand, God loved the dancing and the noise. Remember chapter 6 and verse 5. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets. You haven't worked those in yet, I've noticed. Anyway, <laughs> harps. Liars, that's kind of a harp, not a, not a bad person. Timbrels, sistrums. Sistrum is, is basically a, um, a tambourine-like thing uh, without the drum part, just the, the shaking thing. And cymbals, these are just noisemakers. God enjoyed that, but he didn't appreciate disrespect. Celebrate God, but remember whom you're celebrating. Remember whose party it is. That's always important. Think about this. When you stand in line somewhere and somebody cuts in front of you, how do you feel? Eh, not so good. If you invite them, fine. Or, or you're on Interstate 65 
anywhere because it's all under construction. And there'll be a sign that says, lanes narrow, this lane ends, get out of this lane immediately. Are you an idiot? Move out of the lane. And people are just... And then all of a sudden, they feel the right to nose in front of you because they assume you've got good insurance and you don't mind meeting Jesus. And you feel a bit affronted, don't you? They got all the way up there. As, you know, maybe they're on a motorcycle splitting lanes and getting all up in here, and you're just going, I'm going to open my door. <laughs> now, I would never think of a thing like that. I have no, I read about it somewhere. <laughs> we don't like that because it shows disrespect. It's as if you're not there, you're not important. Don't do that to God. The Bible says everything that you do, remember God. And that means business. It means speaking to your wife or husband. It means dealing with your kids. It means honoring any portion of our worship family here. It means always remember God. It's not about us. It's about God. There are a couple of passages here, uh, one from the old and one from the new. Proverbs 3, verse 6. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. In other words, it'll be easier for you. And then 1 Corinthians so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Remember him. Well, David sorts it out with God. He responds appropriately. Doesn't try to hide his anger or feelings. They work it out together. God gives him instructions. This is how you move the ark. You might think, well, he gave him the instructions and in numbers. You know, there's a really good chance he'd never read the book or heard it read to him. These books were hard to get. They weren't everywhere. So he gets the instructions. Months later, the ark continues its journey, gets all the way to Jerusalem. And as it enters the city, David is so happy because they've made it to the city and nobody's dead. You know, that's, yay. Um, but he gets so happy, he throws off his royal robes and he dances about in his linen ephod. And there's an interesting thing. A linen ephod was basically your undershirt. It did come down a little bit maybe mid thighish, but here's a grown man, supposed to be king, dancing about completely oblivious to the wardrobe malfunction. And his wife is, does not approve. Michael is very upset and let's back up a bit. Michael had every reason not to like David at this stage. We haven't talked about Michael. One of these days we're gonna go back and do her story. One of the worst treated people ever in David's life. She, she had a brutal life. If anybody had a right not to like David, it would have been Michael. But even then, you don't have the right to critique another person's worship. Romans chapter 14 and 15 both tell us even now, you don't get to critique somebody else's worship, whether you like them or not. And she critiqued his worship, saying, I don't think that's acceptable. So let's talk about worship. Worship's a sacred cow. And everybody has them. But sacred cows are only good for one thing, and that's for making hamburgers. It's time we did it. Too many arguments, too many petty complaints, too many splits over worship. 
because it's not really over worship. It's over petty piety. It's over trivial pursuits. It's over personalities. It's not over, wor it's not over worship. I've had people say, they don't sing the songs I like anymore. Do you know how many songs there are? There are a lot of songs. And different people like different songs. We can't, we're, not, we're not here to sing the songs to you. We're here to sing them to God. And so the family chooses some songs. Well, I don't like that preacher. I don't like the way they do that communion. I don't like the... You know, we've, we've somehow got to get past the idea that it's about us. It isn't about us. It's about him. I've had so many people in my life come to me and say, you know, you always say it, but I don't believe you're an introvert because you're always walking around talking to people and the like. People, I'm an introvert. Then why am I doing that? Because it's not about me. After starting point today, I'll hop in my truck and I'll drive 10 and a half hours if orange cones allow me to southwest Louisiana to speak at little churches along the bayou for a few days. Why? Done that since Katrina. But why would I take all the time to go down there and do this and during the, during the day I'll be doing uh, in-services for hospitals? Why if I'm an introvert? Because it's not about me. It's about him. It's duty. You show up, you stand up, you face forward, and you move. We wear out. We don't rust out. We go because one of these days we have an eternity to rest up. Live like you're going to need it. That's the only way to do this. David got it. He was excited. He was dancing about. The problem with a lot of us is we are not quite there yet. We are Lazarus, I'll explain. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, oh, I would have liked to have seen that, would you not? Although it had been a bit scary at first because of the mummy effect. When he comes out, he still had the grave clothes on. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. Now, we know from other passages in Scripture, sometimes they could use 100 pounds of wrapping and spices on you. So when you're coming out, it is like, ah, uh, right? Uh, and, and, and the thing about mummies is that they don't sleep, so they're going to get you eventually, you know. Uh, and, that's, and so he comes out like this. What does Jesus say as soon as he sees him? Everybody else is going, you know, like, whoa. That's not in the Bible. It's assumed. What did Jesus say? He says, loose him and let him go. Too many of us came out of the waters of baptism and are still carrying around old grave clothes with us. We got to get rid of him. Too much stuff drug in from our other life that was all about us. Some of those things you might think are sacred cows. A modern tale. This won't mean anything to some of you, but it's going to mean a whole lot to some of them. So let me do this one. Gym class. I sit off to the side. Not participating. I have a note in my pocket. This happened to me several times. My father's calling was always to go to a new place where there weren't any of us, and since we were the only true church, he had to get there, set it up. So in school, I was always the only kid in the churches of Christ. Well, that meant I was the only kid that wasn't dancing. Do you remember those? Had the note, we don't dance. And therefore, it could be an American, it would be like this country dancing thingy. I'm not really, you'd, you'd swing your partner for some reason. 
And in Scotland, it'd be, you know, Scottish country dancing, which is, um, I don't even want to go there. It's, um, and sometimes involves swords on the ground, you know, so uh, obviously not doing that in an American school. Uh, and so, but I would sit off to the side. Why? I was told I was being a Daniel. Do you remember those classes? Dare to be a Daniel. I didn't feel like a Daniel. Felt like an idiot. I knew who the most unhappy person in the room was. Me. I didn't particularly want to dance. I just didn't want to be sticking out like this. It was awkward, but I was told our doctrine at our church teaches us you're not allowed to dance. So is that what it comes down to? This is what it was all about. The parting of the Red Sea, the giving of the, of the Ten Commandments. Rahab tucks away the spies for this particular reason. Jael drives a tent peg through the head of Sisera so that one day I can sit off and not dance. Is that the point of all of this? Now, the people who taught me that believed that they were doing that unto the Lord. But is that what God wanted? Did he want a church run by Michael? Who says, that dancing's out of line. Stop that right now. I'll never forget the crisis of faith I experienced when one of our youth people said, I don't think the Bible tells us not to dance. And we just had a sermon where the word lasciviousness, not in your Bibles, don't even look for it. It's an old King James word, lasciviousness. So that, that, we were, that whole sermon said that means dancing. And we had a track in, a, in the track rack to prove it. And one of our teens said, I don't think that means that. And, I was, and so I went to research. Research is what I do. I checked every thesaurus I could find. Thesaurus is an old dinosaur that knows a lot of Greek words. And I, I checked every thesaurus I knew. I checked all, and I found out it doesn't mean that. We'd been lied to. Now, you can dance lasciviously. But that's not what it means. It was a crisis of faith. Later, my daughter would do highland dancing, born in Glasgow. She did a beautiful job, but my father would never come see. My wife's been a figure skater since before I knew her. He would never come see her and would leave the room anytime figure skating was on because that's just dancing with blades on your feet. Okay, then. We could go through this book and review the rest of the stories, but I want to I stop here with the dancing, David's dancing. There's a lot of pain and horrible loss in this book, and you're supposed to be reading it ahead of me and after me, and, and I'm sure you, most of you are. You're, you're coming up with fantastic stories when you talk to me about it. But what do you think pleases God more? On one side in this book are people grabbing any sex, any power that they can get. On the other hand, they're leaping for joy and rejoicing with wild abandon because God is near. Which do you think he likes? Pagans in the Bible danced and made a lot of noise to rouse their God and get his attention. We made a lot of noise and danced because we had his attention. We were excited. This week we went over to uh, babysit our three-year-old grandson, while the five-year-old got to go to a pumpkin patch, kind of a field trip with his school. When we walked up to the door, the boys came out with wild abandon, laughing, rejoicing, hands in the air, because we were there. That's what God wants. 
I told you before, a church once told me that they told their teens to quit clapping after baptisms because that annoyed some old people. By the way, you need to know something. The oldest people in this room are your greatest supporters. And they're happy as they can be that you're getting freedom because they wanted it too. (laughs) But I, I asked the elders, I said, do you really think the angels rejoice in heaven when one is saved? Do you really think they're sitting there going, amen. No! Being born again doesn't mean hanging around holy things and following prescribed formulas. There are do's and don'ts in the Bible. Ask Uzza. But the guidelines in contemporary Christianity have a whole lot more to do with arguments made by lawyers during the Reformation, with current culture, and with what sermons radio preachers preached in the 1920s and 30s than they do about the teachings of Jesus Christ. And we need to go back to the fountainhead, to Jesus Christ. How can you tell the difference? Oh, easy. The popular ones, the popular Christianity rules are plain and easy to follow. What Jesus gives you is very deep and difficult. I'll give you examples. Which is easier? Christians don't dance or Christians don't envy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know. What about this one? Christians don't smoke or Christians don't lust. What have we done? We grabbed the cultural external ones and bound those and ignored the hard stuff. Which is it harder to comply with? Real Christians go to church or real Christians love their enemies. And yes, even in times of war. The Pharisees were able to make a complete life a meaningful life out of externals. And when you looked at them, they looked holy. And Jesus said, you're old bones in a rotten tomb. You're flies in the perfume. They never had the nerve to dance in their underwear in front of God. And God liked it when David did. He enjoyed that. He didn't want the kids, when he shows up, to go, Oh, hi, how you doing? And look back at their phones. He wanted excitement. He was, Jesus was often offended by lack of joy. Do you remember he told the apostles? He said, when you have the bridegroom with you, you celebrate. You celebrate. Do you let little kids hug you when they're dirty? Do you? If you don't, you're a bad person. You really are. And I'm going to talk to Jesus about you later. (laughs) They can be all smeared with peanut butter. Take it. Let's go. They can mess up your hair. Let's go. Why? Because that's impressive. Them loving you is impressive. What do we do with little babies? We make odd noises. We make odd faces trying to get a smile. Look what God has surrounded us with to get a smile. The missing ingredient in Uzzah, no joy, no noticing God, just apathy. Looking like he was being holy, but approaching the all-consuming God as if he weren't that important. No. David realized his robes of power meant nothing, and he stripped them off and danced in front of the God, the high king, the true king, and God loved it. 
So years ago, Leanne Womack had a hit. I know because my, my daughter told me. She listens to country music because I don't. And every kid needs to have their own music. So I'm cool with that. I'm not opposed to it. Don't come up to me later. I, uh, I mentioned a song I didn't like once, and you would have thought I'd slap Jesus' mother. Oh, <laughs> anyway. And so my, my daughter would play it to me on, as I would take her to school and back. It was called, I Hope You Dance. When my daughter went away to university, I knew I had to send something with her, something that would let her know she was free to have joy in her life. And I told her, I hope you dance. I still can't. I, I miss those prime learning how years. And I'm British, that's a handicap in and of itself. When I dance, it's always, people assume I'm having a seizure, they call 911, it's not pretty. But I knew the world and the church would often conspire to rip the joy right out of her life. Let me explain something to you. It's not just the church that does that. The world does it too. You try to say something and people say, I'm offended by that. Or you do something and that's not appropriate. Or you're about to enter into the most wonderful season of the year. Food and gifts. Oh, yes. And what are they going to... Watch for it. Closer we get to Thanksgiving, here's the number of calories on an average plate. And here's how much it costs this year as opposed to last year. They're going to do it. And then they're going to show you homeless people that aren't eating turkey. Now, here's a clue. Those homeless people are there in June, too. Nobody cares. They only show you that to make you not enjoy your meal. Don't let the world do this to you. Just don't. Yeah. You're, you're going to have Christmas. It's already arrived at our house. I'm married to Miss Claus. Two out of four trees are already up. So much I have to say, but I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed. I love it. We've rearranged the house for this. We're excited. And then next year, we won't even have to worry about putting up lights because I'm not taking them down. <laughs> Point I'm trying to make is this. As soon as we get to that, what are they going to tell you? It's all about materialism. We're being persecuted because somebody at Target said happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Seriously? Do you still have arms? You probably weren't persecuted. Were your children stolen from you? You're probably okay if they weren't. Just enjoy, but the world wants to strip it out of you. Don't let it work. Don't let it happen. We dance in front of God even in our underwear, but we do everything we do in front of God with joy because we're in front of God all the time. And if you're offended today because you're a visitor and you stumbled into a place where they laugh during church, you need to know something. I celebrate a God that invented bees dancing and baboons throwing nasty things and, and, and otters sliding down banks and leaping into water. My God created these things and he said, enjoy. We can do that. 
we will celebrate our God, we will celebrate our life, we will celebrate each other. Because it's time to believe what the New Testament tells us. Look at Colossians 2, verses 20 through 23. Since you died to Christ with the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Why are these grave clothes on you? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their harsh humility, and their harsh, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. They'll throw the rules at you, but it's not the rules that are going to do it, people. It is, are you living in front of God? Would you stand, please? Live in front of God Enjoy your God. Read Ecclesiastes, but even before we get to it, and you're going to find the rule is enjoy your work, enjoy your food, enjoy your marriage, enjoy your God. Amen, church? Amen.